Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 30. And uh, we've been going through this study um, entitled Life. And I'll get into that a little bit here in just a minute. But um, last week, if you were here, we got the second point of uh, a two-point message. So it was broken into Sermon 8a and Sermon 8b. Uh, And the point was this, God's desire is that we impact others for Him. Now, point one was the only way that God uses us is in His grace, basically. And so, as as what Brother Jeffrey was referencing uh, just a minute ago, was that none of us, not me, not you, not anybody on this earth, deserves to, to be used by a holy God, because the Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's none of us, in and of ourselves, that deserve to be, first of all, saved by God, second of all, used by God in any way for His purpose and His kingdom. And so when we look at the opportunity uh, to gather in His name, to serve Him in any way, all of it is a gift of grace to us, uh, that we can, again, that we can be His child, that we can serve Him in any capacity. Uh, But that, once we become those children, once we become the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, and when we begin to serve him, because that's what he desires for us to do, is to serve him and to serve others, to love others, to love him, that's what God's desires for us to do. He wants us to impact others for him. We get so uh, focused on other things in this life, we get so focused on the stuff that keeps us busy and, and, and task-oriented that we forget that, that our lives have an eternal purpose. And as the children of God, he wants us to impact others for him, not for the enemy, but for the kingdom of God, for the Lord himself. And so, uh, again, it was, I think, a very uh, appropriate message that God had for us on Father's Day. Um, And uh, hopefully that we we took it with us, all of us, not just fathers, uh, but that only happens, that the impacting of others only happens uh, through us submitting and yielding ourselves to the Lord. Uh, But like Jacob, he was a man. Uh, He was also a father, and this is the reality that we've seen in his life, and this is the reality in our life. We're not always going to do everything right. That's the reality. Uh, We're not, uh, and and, and the the, the battle that we often have, even in our own homes, is, is what? Who is right or who is wrong? But the reality is, is we mess things up. We're, We're not right a lot of the time. Um, and so Jacob was that person, a good example that you're just not going to get everything right all the time. But, here's the but, if we stay sensitive to the Lord, if we stay yielded to Him, and if we'll stay connected to Him as He is the vine and we are the branches, if we stay connected to Him, to His body, to His call, to His purpose, and again, God will use us. He wants to use us. It's not going to be because we deserve it. It's not because we're good enough. Again, because we made ourselves available through him. And so we're going to move forward and continue looking at the lineage of Joseph because that's what this uh, study is about, is looking at the lineage, the life, and the legacy of Joseph. And so far what we've done is we've looked at, as I mentioned, Jacob. We've looked at his family. Jacob is Joseph's father and uh, seen kind of how things have gone along. 
and come up to this point. Uh, Jacob has been chosen by God, and we don't understand that sometimes. I, I promise you this. Uh, when I look at the things that God does in, uh, in, in this world and even in, in, in my life and in our church, and I, and I think, man, why would God do things like that? Why would he do it? Like, I, look, we're not God, and things don't always make sense to us. And, and some, sometimes we get to that place where we feel like, well, it should make sense to me. But where do we, where do we get that, that right, you know, that, that I have to understand everything uh, in this life? The reality is, is, is we don't. Jacob has been chosen by God, and, and we look at his life, and it's been an absolute mess. He's made a mess of things. Uh, his mom has helped him in making a mess of things. But God has still chosen him and chosen him for a very specific purpose. And I want to remind us that that's the reality in all of our lives. Uh, even in 2018, 3,700 years after what we're studying here in Scripture, is that our lives can really be a mess sometimes. And that even through that mess, God can do things in and through our lives that brings glory to Him. And again, I don't understand that. And to me as a man, that isn't, I don't like that sometimes. You know, how this can be messy and ugly and, and, and not good, and then somehow God use it some way uh, to bring glory to him. And uh, again, it, it doesn't always make sense to me, but I, I want to be clear in, in making this statement that our lives can be messy and God can still use us. I want to be clear in this because just, we, just because we can make a mess, just because we, 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 we find ourselves in, in, in ugly places sometimes, it doesn't condone messy decision-making or godless pursuits in life. Let's, let's be clear on that, okay? Our, our li we, we do a good job enough when, when we're just going along and we're trying to live for the Lord. Look, we mess up and we make mistakes and we, we, we fall into sin and we, 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 we don't do what we're always supposed to do and, and sometimes we uh, do the things that we're, we're, we're not supposed to do. Again, as the Apostle Paul's in Romans chapter 7, it's just the nature of us living in these earthen vessels still. But just because that's a reality in our life doesn't excuse us saying, well, everybody does this, or everybody's life is the same. Not everybody is this. All that. That does, that's not what we're to do. That's a foolish way to approach life as a child of God. It doesn't make pursuing life with a godless or a worldly mindset. It doesn't, doesn't excuse that. But again, it just brings the reality that there's nobody in this building, there's nobody on this earth that's perfect. Not yet. All of us as the children of God in the process, supposed to be of yielding ourselves to Him and Him conforming us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. We're all in that perfect sanctification process, perfect making sanctification process. We're supposed to be. And again, how we do that is submitting to Him and drawing closer to Him. But in our text, we left off in Genesis chapter 30, Verse 28, and Laban, who is Jacob's father-in-law, who's also his uncle, all right, if you haven't been here, that may sound weird, but just bear with us. I mean, it's just where it was, the world was at this point in time. Um, but Laban has told Jacob to tell him what he owes because what has happened in Jacob's life is finally Rachel, the woman of his dreams, the woman that he loves, the woman that he came to marry and, and, and all those things has finally had a son by Jacob. She's already given her handmaid to, to Jacob, and again, the mess that Jacob made. You know, he's, he's already had children by proxy for Rachel through her handmaid, but Rachel hasn't had a, her own biological son, 
with Jacob up to this point. And now that she has, and now Jacob has the son, who, by the way, is Joseph. Jacob goes to Laban, his father-in-law, says, hey, okay, I got my family. I got everything I want. Now I'm ready to go. Give me what, give me what is mine, and I'll go my own way. Laban says, sure. Let me, you tell me what I owe you, and, and we've got a deal. And again, that's where we left off, and that's where we're going to pick up. So let's pray, and we'll look at what God has for us. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. We thank you for just the special time that we've had uh, to worship you through song, to worship you through giving back uh, just tangible things. Lord, we know that you don't need any money at all. Uh, but again, it's just this way that we can show our, our worship and devotion to you above money, above things in this world. Uh, it's a way that we can give uh, with joyful hearts uh, to see that your kingdom is advanced on this earth. Um, and um, again, we thank you for that. We thank you for the time of prayer that we've already had, the time of uh, scripture reading and, and the Sunday school hour before. And uh, we thank you for all these freedoms and these, these liberties that have been talked about already uh, this morning. Just the great privilege it is to come into this place uh, with freedom and uh, to worship you. And we're thankful for that, Lord. We thank you for the scripture now that we're going to look at and, and the message that you have for us. And I do pray that you would use me as one of those broken vessels. Uh, to bring honor and glory to you. Lord, just use me as a mouthpiece. Speak the words that you want spoken uh, to us through me. And, and God, we want in all of this for you to be glorified in you alone. And if there's somebody here that is maybe thinking they're okay, uh, but they've never surrendered their life to you. Maybe they've gone through motions. Maybe they have been tried to be religious or try to be good themselves or thinking maybe that um, saying a prayer is what saved them and uh, there's somebody here today, or maybe they've never heard any of this before. They're here, and they've, they've never truly surrendered their life to you, Lord, in faith, accepting the free gift of salvation that you alone can offer. I pray that they would do that today, that they would come and they would accept the free gift. They would surrender their life to you in faith, knowing that you sent your only son to die on the cross for their sins, that you rose again to give eternal life to all who would believe. And I pray they would do that before it's too late, and that you'd be glorified even in that. Lord, help us, those of us who have already placed our faith in you, uh, to receive this message and to apply it in our lives because it's so important. I pray that we would take it and um, it would impact us. We'll praise you for all this, Lord, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 29 is where we pick up. And Genesis chapter 30, if you don't have your Bibles, it should be on the screen. It says, And he said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee and how thy cattle was with me. Uh, for, it was, uh, for it was little which thou hast before I came, and, now, uh, and it is now increased unto a multitude. Now, Joseph is obviously stating uh, what is fact. He is stating what is reality, as you can tell. But what's interesting to me in, in this is that, uh, not Joseph, Jacob. Uh, Jacob doesn't seem to be very shy about boasting, right? <laughs> He's like, look, let's get this straight, pops, you know? Uh, you didn't have very much before I came, and now that I'm here, look at everything you have. You know, I mean, come on. Let's, let's make a deal with this being understood, you know. Uh, so, and the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming, and now when shall I provide for my own house, uh, my own house also? Uh, he goes on, he says, what shall I give thee? So they, okay, tell me what it is then. Jacob said, okay, you don't need to give me anything if thou wilt do this one thing for me. I will again feed and keep thy flock. Here's what I'll do. I'll go through all the, thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle 
and all the brown cattle uh, among the sheep. So again, all the females, this is what I'm going to do. And the spotted and speckled among the goats, the men, the, 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 the males. And all uh, of such shall be my hire. So all of these will be my hire. This will be my wages. This is what you owe me. We'll, be, we'll have a deal here. And he says, so shall my righteousness answer for me in, thy, in time to come when it shall come for my hire before thy face. Everyone that's not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep that shall be counted stolen with me. So here it is. He says, look, I'm going to pull out all these, these speckled and, and spotted and um, I'll, I'll take them away. And then when the time comes and you come and look at what I have, if, if, if anything is the way that I agreed, if, if there's any of these um, that aren't speckled or, or, or spotted, then what it will be is, is I stole these from you. I stole these brown ones. I stole these plain ones. And that's, that, that will be, the, that will be the, the arrangement there. Laban said, Behold, uh, I would it might be according to thy word. Sounds good to me. It sounds like a good deal. All right. So let, well, let's back up a little bit and let's understand who these characters are that we're working with. Jacob tricked his brother. He lied and tricked his dad. He, he conspired with his mom. Now he goes and he's been with his, his, his father-in-law for many, many years. And his father-in-law, when he first came on the scene, tricked him. That's why he's been with him for so long. These two are deceptive tricksters making a deal. Now, I'm, I'm standing, like if I'm watching this as Joseph, like again, as a family movie like we talked about at the beginning, I'm thinking, this is not going to go down good. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is my dad and my uncle Laban, and they've got a reputation. They are liars. They are tricksters. They aren't worthy to be trusted. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering if the Bible didn't say this, but just I'm, I'm, I'm looking at watching this movie along with, with you and, 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 and reading this text and, and, and considering all this. I'm wondering if J uh, Jacob along the way has been thinking, this old man, I'm going to finally get him back for all the junk that he's put me through, living with him and serving him. I got the daughters, I got all these kids now. Maybe he's thinking that. Maybe Laban is thinking the same thing. And I, I don't think my thought process would be too far off because look what happens. So Laban's like, good, we got a deal. And he removed that day the he-goats that were ring-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them into the hand of his sons. Not only did he do that, but he set three days' journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. So, <laughs> this is the deal. Jacob says, look, I'll go through and I'll pull out all the, the speckled and spotted, and, and, and those will be my hire, and then everything else is yours. And if you come and check, and I've got anything that's supposed to be yours and mine, it'll be stolen. Laban says, sounds good. That day, he goes and he takes all the speckled and spotted. He removes all these things, and he, he gives them to, look, you guys take care of this flock. Three days' journey away from where Jacob was going to be watching these flock, or was supposedly watching his flock. Do you think Jacob is cool with this? You think Jacob is, is like, all right, you got me again, you know? Look, look what happens. Jacob, he, he has a plan himself. Now that Laban, the, the older man, has tricked him maybe once again, look at what Jacob's plan is. Jacob took him rods of green poplar and uh, of the hazel and chestnut tree and piled white strakes in them and made the white appear, which was in the rods. 
And he set the rods which he had piled before the flocks and the gutters and the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink that they should conceive when they came to drink. Now again, this is probably just because of what they were accustomed to when they went to water them. And now that they're in this place and they don't have the reeds and the rods that they were, uh, Jacob makes it appear as it were a place that they would normally go to and drink and mate and everything would be hunky-dory. So Jacob's coming up with this, this, this prop or this set uh, to see. And so the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth uh, cattle, ring strakes, speckled and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs and set the face of the flocks toward the ring strake and all the brown in the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. So you see what he's doing? He's, he is, he's a breeder. He's, what he, he's taking out, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I breed everything that is going to be strong and healthy and last, and I'm going to make sure that everything that I told him I was going to take is going to be the product of all this conception. So he's, 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 he's cashing in on this deal. Because you know what? If, if he's going to treat me like that, I'm going to take care of this whole situation. And so he begins to, to, to do this. And so when the cattle were feeble, uh, he didn't put them in. He didn't allow them to go in and mate and conceive. All those weak ones, he, he sent back. And the stronger to Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. And so when we look at this scenario, again, it is Laban thought, I've got a way. I'm going to, uh, okay, we'll make a deal, but I'm going to steal all. I'm going to not steal, it's his. I'm going to take all these cattle that he said that he was going to take as his own, and I'm going to take them out of the flock. So that way when he goes to, to try to take all those out, he's going to go and look at the flock and think, huh, I thought there were speckled and spotted sheep in here and, and goats. And where they, where'd they all go? Oh, well, I guess I, I don't have really what I thought I was going to have. And thinking maybe that Jacob would just turn around and leave and, and the deal would be done. And, hey, take your family and, and, and my daughters and grandkids. And, and, and oh, maybe that was the problem, right? Maybe that was Laban's problem. Like, you're not going anywhere with my grandkids. Um, right, grandparents? We, I, we met somebody this past week that was trying to move away from their grandkids. That's what they said. <laughs> Some of you are like, amen, amen. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we see this scenario, and, and, and Jacob says, uh, no, I, I am the master trickster. That's what my name is, heel catcher. I'm going to do this deal. And so uh, he, he arranges it to where all of the, the healthy and strong and the spotted and the, and, the, and the striped come and they breed when they're watering. And so when it comes time for him to take all this, his flock is strong, his, his flock is prosperous, and he has all of this stuff. And Laban stays small and feeble, even though Laban tried to take those away. But in this study, and, 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 and the reason why I think this is so interesting is uh, what we've seen is, is lots of elements from the, the acrostic that I shared at the very beginning. And the F in the word life uh, shows us that in life we deal with family, we deal with friends, and we have this issue of faith that we have to deal with in life as well. And again, we've seen different elements along the way in, in, in the different messages that we've seen so far. And this is one of those elements of, I would say, family and faith. Uh, that it, it gives us a really uh, important lesson in life about as well. But with this, we also see there is, in the letter I, 
Lots of inspiration that we experience in this life. Lots of inspiring times that we, we have, whether it's when uh, our, 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 our son uh, is married off, like we saw yesterday with the Gonzalez family, and, and, and man, he, he's married, or, or when a, a child is born, and, uh, or, or, or someone surrenders in the ministry, or, or, or whatever. The case. There's lots of times of, of inspiration. Maybe, maybe the inspiration happens even in our own relationship with our spouse or with our kids, where we experience these times and these moments of inspiration. But along with that, we know that we also experience impositions. Things that tend to come along and impose on what we want, impose on what we expect, impose upon what we want to do, what our plan was. These, these things come along and they impose on our plans. And that's similar to what's happened here with, with Jacob's family. There's the, he had a plan. He had this this. this, this this laid out before him, and then now it seems to have backfired, and now it's imposing on him. Laban thought the same thing, and, and he imposed, well, I'm going to work this out for myself because of this imposition. And again, we find that is the situation in our life sometimes. Well, my life's going like this, and then something comes along and it imposes upon what I want, what I planned for, what what's supposed to be, what I expected, and now it's imposing on that. I, uh, uh, is it Joey? Joey broke her leg? JC, JC broke her leg. Uh, we were gone, I guess, when it happened, and um, I, I give her a hard time every time I see her in church. Last, last Sunday we were walking out uh, of the church and she was in front of me on her crutches, and I came up behind her and I, I didn't push her hard. I just kinda, I kinda, <laughs> I kinda nudged her and I said, hey, can you hurry up some? You know, she turned around and started smiling and stuff like that. Um, but what I was talking to Kelly and Justin, and, and the, the sad part about it is like happened right at the beginning of summer. For a kid going into the seventh grade, right? Going to seventh grade, and they got a pool, and, and, and they're going to have this, this, this pool party and, and all these things. And all of a sudden, this broken leg comes into her life. And imposes upon all the fun, all the plans, all the things that she had in store. But the, the, the lesson in that is, is sometimes that's the way it happens even in real life for us. Whether it's a physical injury or whether it's something in our relationships, something in our job, something in our health. Something with something comes along and it just imposes in, 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 in what we want to happen or what we planned on, on happening in our life. You would think that Laban would want his daughters and his grandkids to be blessed. That's, I mean, that's where my mind goes, right? I think that's where any loving parent and grandparent, their, their mind goes, is I want my kids and I want my grandkids to be taken care of. I mean, I think that's honestly some of the reason why we're in a, in a really bad position because I think sometimes that there's been generations before us that were so preoccupied with that financially and they forgot about that spiritual investment along the way as well. I just want my kids to have what I didn't have when I grew up. Oh, you're talking about a, a strong relationship with the Lord? No, I'm talking about money. I'm talking about not having to worry about this or not having to worry about that. I think that's where some of our culture is today, and so we have a, a generation where uh, parents are, are living for their kids instead of living, teaching their kids to live for the Lord. And, uh, and so I look at Laban, and I'm thinking, why was he like this? Why, why, was, he, why was he thinking 
no, I'm going to trick my son-in-law who also is, you know, has, has my, my two daughters and, and all my grandkids. I'm going to trick him so that I get what I want. I think it reveals a truth about life that's still really clear in our life today. And it's, it's the first point. It was going to be two points today, but as I was going along, I realized there's no way I'm getting to point number two. So I just put point number one on your notes today, uh, and it's this. The nature of man is selfish and self-serving. The nature of man is selfish and self-serving. Because some, sometimes when bad things happen to us, we don't, we don't think about it in terms of maybe God's going to use this for his kingdom in some way or some form. Maybe there's a reason why this negative thing, maybe there's a reason why this imposition came in my life. We don't think about it like that sometimes. Many times we don't think because we too today can be selfish and self-serving. When something imposes upon our life, a lot of times we think, man, this just puts me out. This does not help me in any way, shape, or form. But maybe it does. Maybe God has a plan in all of that that we don't see right now. And so I just don't see how that can happen. Again, we look at, at, at this situation with Jacob and his father-in-law, Laban. And, and here's Laban trying to trick his own son-in-law and his daughters and his grandkids to get what he wants because he's selfish and self-serving. And, and Jacob's trying to dupe his father-in-law, who, by the way, gave him his, his daughter, his, his wives. You know, I realize he only wanted one, but he got two for one. Um, and, but here he is trying to, trying to take because he too is selfish and self-serving. And all along, God's plan still exists in all of this. And it's like, hmm. That both of these guys feel like their lives have been imposed upon in some shape or form. And none of them yet have said, you know what? I need to seek God's face. Let me take, remember Jacob made this altar this, and he named the place Bethel and, 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 and said, you know, this is the place where God dwells and, and, and I'm going to make this, this altar here and this pillar, this, this is what it is because this is where God is and where God met me and God showed me this dream and, and all this kind of stuff. He's done it before he's had the experience with God, but throughout all this mess, we haven't seen at any point in time Jacob say, God, I surrender to you. God, I was tricked by my, my father-in-law. And, and how do you want me to respond in this? No, he just continued plugging along his way because, again, the nature of man is selfish and self-serving. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says this, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, right? It, it, it's, it, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time on, on social media to see that that's the truth. You know, people can proclaim their own goodness and whether it's themselves or whether it's, it's, it's something to do with them or whatever, but look at the question, but a faithful man, who can find? A faithful man, who can find? I think God is still looking for faithful men. I think, I think that the church is still in need of faithful men. And I'm not saying faithful for a season. I'm just saying that, that word is a, is a permanent thing. Faithful men. Just here, serving, surrender to the Lord, faithful. Above all things, faithful. Faithful man, who can find? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul uh, explained to the Philippian believers that he didn't have anybody as faithful and as reliable as his understudy, Timothy. Somebody who, who 
he, he didn't have anybody who would genuinely care for them like he had in Timothy. And he went on to explain that everyone else, aside from Timothy, now there were people there in Rome as Paul was writing this letter um, that, that were with him. We know that. He lists them in there. And, and some people came uh, that were sent by the other churches to minister to his needs there. Um, and by the way, they were sent by the other churches. They just had voluntarily go and do this. Again, the authority is through the church. Just a side note for that. Um, but the, they were sent by the other churches to, to do this. And Timothy is the only one among them that Paul says, look, I know this guy's heart is genuine and he really cares for you. Here's what I've noticed in everybody else. They're more concerned about their own interests than that of Christ. Maybe what that meant is that they were more concerned about what they would get out of it at the end versus just simply serving Christ. And, and here's the interesting part. That's how we're wired, right, even spiritually. Because we talk about rewards. We talk about rewards at the end. Paul even says we're supposed to run uh, to win, that, that we know that there's people that run a race in the, in, on this earth and they do it to obtain uh, corruptible crowns, but we run to obtain incorruptible crowns. So we, we have all this in our minds, but we forget that the whole purpose and the focus and the goal and the aim is to win Christ. That's what Paul says, that I may win Christ. That's the prize. I mean, the, the crowns, the, the, the rewards at the end, that's, that's, that's great, but the, 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 the prize is Jesus Christ. We, but we, we take that, that selfish and, and self-serving mindset even into our service is, is it really for the Lord, the, the service for the Lord, the service for the church? We, we take that in, in, into account because sometimes we, we, we want the blessings associated with the service. That's the way, that's the way we're wired. Like, I'm, I'm doing this, and I want the blessings associated with it. That's part of the reason. No, 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 no. That's not the reason why we should be doing it. Paul says, for you serve the Lord Christ. We, 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 are, we are serving for him. We are serving because, again, it's in his grace that we even get to be his kids and even be serving him. It's not because I get a pat on the back because if we are serving for the pat on the back, Jesus said, that's your reward. Um, but, but we're not serving so that people will notice us or, the, or that, that we get these blessings. It's not like a, a slot machine. I serve God, he takes care of my finances. I serve God, my marriage is good. I serve God and, 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 and my health is okay. That's not how it works. Did that work for the Apostle Paul? <laughs> he said, I've been shipwrecked, I've been lonely, I've been without clothes, I've been without food, I've been stoned, I, 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 all these things. In this course of serving Jesus. And he still continued on. He said there was times that we, we, we were afraid of our lives. We really thought we were going to die. We look at, at this, this situation where he says, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to send Timothy to you because I don't have anybody else like him. Because everybody else is worried about what they're going to get out of the deal. Timothy is... Just serving the Lord. He's, he's, serving, he's serving me because, because I'm serving the Lord. And he's, he's going to do that as long as I'm serving the Lord. But as soon as I get off track, he's going to continue to serve the Lord. That's why I'm going to send him. Because I don't have anybody else like him. What do we primarily, I mean, you ladies work in our toddlers, but you know, all, all of us in here for the most part have had some type of probably association or been around 
those, those kids when they, they go from right at that baby stage to toddler stage and they're, and they're in the nursery in there and they're in the toddler area. What do we primarily have to teach those toddlers who are playing together? See, I, I knew what the answer would be. That's why, I mean, it, because it's a reality, right? We have to teach those little kids most of the time, on the mo- for the most part, we have to teach these, these kids that are growing up who, does, who, who don't know what sin is. They, they have to come to that just like you and I do when the Word of God sells them, tells them, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. It tells us what sin is when we break that. So those kids don't know that, but it's in the nature of mankind to be selfish and self-serving. And so when those kids are in there playing and they walk up and that toy is in another kid's hand and they just take it out of that kid's hand and turn around and start walking and playing with it, we have to walk over to them saying, no, 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 no. No, we don't, we don't do that. Well, let's, 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 let's give it back to them, okay, because they had it first. We, we share, okay, we're going to share. It's not just yours, it's everybody's. And what's that kid do when you take it out of their hand? Ah! <laughs> and if they're old enough to talk, which they usually are by that time, some of them not, but old enough to talk, and you rip it out of their hand or that kid walks over there and they start pulling on it and they start ripping. What is it that they say when you pull it out of their hand or they're trying to pull it away from the other one? What are they saying? Mine! 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 Again, it's the nature of man to be selfish and self-serving. Look, mess with somebody else's family, right? That's not cool. Mess with my family. We've got a problem. I mean, it's like a different level, right? Like, don't mess with their family. That's not cool. Mess with my, oh, you're going to mess with my family? All right. Now we've got a problem, you know? You say, well, that's not selfish. Let's think about your family. It's just, again, the, the way that we're wired. It's, it's me and mine. It's, it belongs to me. It's, it's, it's what I have. It's... it's it's more personal like that. So because we know that our nature, the old nature, as those of us who are Christians, because we know this about ourselves, the nature of the flesh is selfish and it is self-serving because we are concerned and focused most of the time on my, that's why Jesus didn't have to give us the command, hey, love yourselves. Right? That's not in the scripture. Anybody read that? I haven't read that. No. Matter of fact, the Bible says, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, you know? I mean, we're okay loving ourselves. I mean, the Bible, Jesus, he, he says a very clear command. He says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love yourself. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the command. It's a new command that he gave to us. It's a novel idea. Stop loving yourself. Isn't that so interesting that the world's message is, you do you. Do what makes you feel good. What makes you happy? That's the world's message. When, when, when Jesus said, hey, the only way for you to gain life, your life, is for you to lose it. Lose that control. Surrender it to the Lord. We start focusing with a different life, and we'll see that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but the nature, again, of the flesh is selfish and self-serving. We have to consciously do, I think, a couple of things to avoid the pitfalls that always associate 
and are always associated with and always accompany this reality. So here are a few things. Again, Laban was looking to get his son-in-law back, and it backfired. And so when, when, when we look at our life, and, and when we seek to satisfy ourselves and, and, and to serve self above the Lord and to serve self above others, we're doing the same exact thing. We become blinded to our own selfishness. And I think that anybody and everybody can, can do this. I, I, think, I, think, I think Christians who have been a long time can do this. I think brand new Christians can do this. I think, I think pastors and deacons, I think everybody can get in this place where we become blinded by our own selfishness and lose focus. What it is that God is, is wanting from our life. So to help avoid this, I think from, there's so many different points that we can, can have, but I just put down three in our notes just so that we can take it, take it with us and hopefully uh, help us and, and apply in our lives. So to help uh, fight against the selfish and self-serving nature that we have, the first thing I think that we can do is mortify the members of our flesh daily. Mortify the members of our flesh daily. Before salvation, we don't have any help to do this. We don't have any help before salvation. Now, people, we have a conscience um, and, 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 uh, conscience and, and uh, that sometimes can be seared, I, I think, depending on uh, what goes on in our life. But um, we don't have help to, to not live. I mean, yeah, people can teach us that. We can learn those things. But we don't have personal help before we're saved. For the most part, we just fulfilled the lust of our flesh before we were saved. And the enemy of, of God, we fulfilled his plan. As Christians, we have help from the Holy Spirit. In an effort to serve and live for Christ, we are to, as the Bible says in uh, Colossians chapter 3, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. That means that we cut off the avenues of temptation that we know that we're weak in or that we know that we're going to go and serve self in so that we avoid the flesh's tendency to indulge in that selfish pursuit and that selfish pleasure that's rooted in our old nature. So, man, I struggle with this. Then we've got to cut off that. We've got to mortify the members of our We've got to make sure that we don't put ourselves in that situation. I, I struggle with, with coveting things. I struggle with, 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 with greed. I, I want more money and I want more. Then we've got to cut off the avenues. So I stop, quit my job? No, you don't quit your job. You've got, you got to figure out what it is. You've got to figure out those things, those avenues that need to be cut off so that we don't indulge in that selfish pursuit and selfish pleasure. Not only do we have to cut off those avenues, but we also have to consciously pursue avenues that strengthen and please the Spirit of God. Strengthen the Spirit uh, inside us uh, and, and please the Spirit of God that's inside of us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Here's a novel thought, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, how do you walk in the Spirit? You obey the Word of God. The Spirit and the law are together. The, the, the Word of God and the Spirit are together. So there's no way to walk in the Spirit aside from obedience to the Word of God. D do we, is that, that's pretty clear, right? That's easy. That's a, that's a basic principle. But I think that where we think that we can do sometimes is we can walk in the Spirit and not be obedient to the Word of God. That, those two can't, that's contrary. You have to be obedient to the Word of God and to walk in the Spirit conscious choice that sometimes is easier to do though at sometimes at various times than others right sometimes it's, it seems to be a little bit easier to obey the word of God and to walk in the spirit and there's sometimes it feels like man I'm stumbling one step after the other 
Like, I, I cannot get on my feet spiritually. I cannot, it doesn't feel like anything I do will help me walk in the Spirit. It feels like I'm struggling with this, struggling with that, struggling with that. I, I can't get a hold of my spiritual walk. So what do you do when you're feeling weak like that? You've got to make a very concentrated effort to be connected to. Very concentrated effort to be open to. Very concentrated effort to being around. Those who will pull you up and push you to godliness. See, the flesh is nature and the enemy knows this. Anytime you're struggling, I've said this and preached this before, I promise you it will be no time that you find somebody else that's just like you or that's in a similar place to you. Well, that's in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a further struggling place than you. The enemy's not, he's not been doing this for a couple years. He's been doing this for a thousand years. He knows when the people of God start struggling, all I got to do is make sure and, and put some of my people around them or put some people around them that, that I know are struggling themselves. And guess what happens? They begin to pull each other down away from that pursuit of godliness, away from that faithful man that God's called them to. Remember, it's always easier to be pulled down than to pull someone up. I've got my nephew sitting right here. I just thought about this. I could ask, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but I, he's a strong, strapping young man. He's in high school now and, and lifting weights and doing all this kind of stuff, or Zach. And, and, and I think, for the most part, I could take him, you know? <laughs> I mean, not maybe together, one-on-one. But um, I, I think that, that I, could, I could overpower them. But if we were in this situation where they were down here, one of them was down here and I was up here, and I said, okay, you try to pull me off this stage. Do everything you can to try to yank me off this stage, and I'm going to try to do everything I can to pull you up on this stage. Even if I was stronger, who do you think would probably win? They would, right? I mean, why? Because they have gravity at, at, to their advantage as well. They have, they have a a positional advantage. And not only that, this law of gravity, that, that if you're lower, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help your, your case. I have it pulling against me, right? Gravity's pulling more against me because I'm further up. So what happens in our spiritual life sometimes. There's people that, not that we're better than anybody else, but they're a different spiritual place, and maybe they're, they're struggling in a different place. Maybe they're even lost. But we're spending all of our time around them, and, and we're, not, we're not attaining to those people that are, that are sharpening us, iron sharpening iron, and, 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 and we're not doing those things, but we're only doing these things, and it's only going to be a matter of time for these people, as strong as we may think that we are, as, as big as we may think that we are, that they'll start having an impact on us. We'll start getting tired, they'll start weighing on us, and eventually over, overtake us. So we've got to be conscious of where we are in our spiritual walk and then make decisions on how we influence and how we will be influenced. Now that's not the flesh's nature though. The flesh's nature is to do what I want to do, to be around who I want to be around, to be around who I like, to do what I want to do. That's the flesh's nature. And the flesh's, flesh's nature, as I've said recently, the easier thing to do is usually the fleshly thing to do. The, the, flesh's thing, the easier thing to do is usually to pull away when you're struggling. And to connect with those who are seeking to please their flesh as well. It's easier to do what the flesh wants to do than it is the spirit. That's why we have this admonition to make a conscious effort to put to death our fleshly and selfish tendencies. To consciously do what pleases the spirit of God. 
I'm going to finish this first step here, and looks like all we're going to get this morning, but I'm going to read the rest of this scripture. It says in verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Look, they're warring against each other. We're in the same body. We have the spirit of God inside of us, but we're living in a fleshly body. With, with a mind that still knows what it is to sin, with, with fleshly uh, members of this body that knows what even the sensations of sin feel like, the pleasures of sin. We, we, we are walking around in, in, in sinful earthen vessels that have been redeemed from within by the Spirit of God. And so there's this battle. And again, that's what Paul the Apostle was saying in Romans chapter 7. There's this war that's going on in my life. And these are contrary one to the other. They're against each other so that you can't do the things that you want to do in the Spirit. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Here are the works of the, the, the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murder, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And, and like that. Partying, drunkenness, and, 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 and the things like it. Of which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You read that in the surface love and you think, holy cow. If, if, if somebody does one of these things, they're not going to heaven? No, no, no. I, I've taught this before as well and I'll explain what, what it's talking about. It, it means this. Um, just because I call myself a baseball player doesn't mean that I'm a baseball player. Right? You, you actually have to play baseball <laughs> To say that you're a baseball player. Um, same thing, football player, basketball player, or, or whatever. You have to actually, I, I call myself an accountant all day long, but if I'm not an accountant, I'm not an accountant, I'm not doing accounting, I'm not an accountant. You can say all those things all day long. Or just because I balance a checkbook doesn't make me a, an accountant. Or just because I did one, it doesn't mean those things. Just because I swung and hit a bat, or hit a ball with a bat at one point in time, doesn't mean that I'm a baseball player. There are things that we do, even when we're Christians, sometimes that we we fall into the sin. It's not a lifestyle or a life pursuit. It's not something that we're doing. And so this is what he's talking about. This is the works of the flesh. This is the lifestyle of those who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They live lives of adultery, of fornication, uncleanness, of lasciviousness, uh, idolatry, witchcraft, on and on and on and on and on. They, they, they live, live these lives. It's not that they committed these sins at one point in time and now well we know that if you do that that's what you are but again the blood covers us and washes us this specifically is talking about a path a lifestyle so it says these people that are living these lives will not inherit the kingdom of god and so he says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law verse 22 and they that are christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. See, there's a, a lifestyle for those who are not in Christ, and they live, and they, they're self-serving still, and they're, and, and they're selfish, and they please themselves, and they, they live for themselves. They live for the lust and the sin that pleases them. But those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. The will of self and the pursuit of what pleases us, the fleshly indulgence all of it was handed to Christ when we surrendered our life to him in faith for salvation. All of it. That's what happened. When we surrendered control, we said, listen, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm no longer going to live a self-serving and selfish life. I'm no longer going to live for my, my flesh or for the world or for sin. 
I'm done doing all that, and now I'm yours, Jesus, from this day forward. That's, that's what it means. But because we live in these fleshly vehicles, as I said before, and because we have this old nature that we always have to battle with on a daily basis, because temporal pleasure and the negative consequences are all there, we have to make sure that we make a conscious effort to mortify the flesh. We have to remember this is something that you have to actually give effort to. Like we have to realize there's an actual war that the flesh and the spirit are actually battling, that there is going to come a decision in our life every single day, moment by moment, that we may have to say, I want to do what I want to do, or I want to do what the spirit wants me to do. And those, that's going to be a decision that determines a lot of things sometimes. But as a child of God, we were supposed to have crucified what I want to do, what the flesh wants to do. So again, this point this morning as the musicians make their way is this. We've got to make sure that we're making this conscious effort to mortify the flesh daily. See, there's going to come a temptation. I shared this this morning in, in, in our service, and I just want to, in, in our in new members class, I just want to say it in this morning's service because it is a, a morning service, a morning worship service. Um, but uh, just to kind of make clear, uh, if, if you're a guest with us or maybe a, a member for a while or whatever, but we, we have three services every week. We have a Sunday morning service that you're attending right now. We have a Sunday evening service that's going to happen at 530, Lord willing. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday, Lord willing, that we'll have three services that are completely unique, sometimes unique speakers in, in them, not the same speaker. So three, three services every week um, that are in, intended uh, to help us be together and to help us worship the Lord, to help us encourage and strengthen each other. Three unique services. You know, as well as I do, there are things that even in something like gathering to worship the Lord, which Hebrews 10.25 says not for, not for us to forsake, there are going to be things that come in the way that try to keep us from that. And I'm not talking about the, the, the realities that we face of sickness and jobs and vacation, all that kind of stuff. I'm not about there's going to be things that pull against us and say, I don't feel like going, or I'd rather do this, or I'm going to commit to this versus this. There are going to be things like that. But we have three unique services every week, typically, unless there's a holiday, and then we only have two. Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. All are very important because it's all about the Lord. It's all about the body gathering together to worship the Lord and to encourage each other. Do you know how much time that we've been given for ourselves on a week, on a weekly basis? After we sleep and after we work, you know how much time is, is for us? It just ranges depending on how much you sleep and how much you work. But anywhere between 50 to 70 hours is ours. After work and after eating. I mean, after eating. <laughs> eating is part of your stuff too. After work and after sleeping. Do you know that the time that we've been here since we started this service is 10.50, is 12.07 right now? How long is that? A little over an hour? If you came to Sunday school this morning, you were here at 10 o'clock, maybe a little bit before. You know, we're about to be done, and it's only going to be a couple hours on one day a week. 
Do you know when we come back this evening, at the most, we'll be here for about an hour and a half? And then Wednesday evening, in a separate unique service, we'll be here for maybe an hour, at the very most, an hour and a half, but usually about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. You realize that in all of the 50 to 70 hours that we have for ourselves, after jobs and after sleep, that we only gather together as the people of God for an eternal purpose, for the most important mission that there is, to, to be unified in that, to be encouraged and strengthened in that. We only gather together, and we're only actually together for that purpose, maybe five hours a week. Maybe five hours out of 50 or 70 that's ours. Think about that. Well, I played sports before. I know. Well, you're on a part of a sports team. You're spending way more time than five hours a week. For what? We spend, how much do we spend a day at our jobs? Eight to ten hours a day? 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. 60, 70 hours a week for our jobs. And at the end of it all, if, if we were to be handicapped or if we, or, 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 or if we, if we die, that's over. And how much do we give for the, king, the body of Christ to be unified and together? How? That's really not a whole lot of time. So get this. If, if it's just one of those that you make out of the, all three that are unique, you are only getting and giving one to two hours for the kingdom of God, the, the, the body of Christ, to gather. For you to encourage somebody else, for somebody else to encourage you, for out of 50 to 70 hours that God says, here, you're going to sleep this time, you'll work this time, and you had all this, other, oh, no, my kids are involved. Okay, that, but that's still your time. That's still something you decided to do, something you're doing for you and your family. Just a couple hours a week. And I share that as an example because we know that there's going to come times, even in something like that, just, just a, a couple hours a week that we, we come and we gather and we worship the Lord and, 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 and we encourage other people and we pray for other people and, 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 and we hear God's word together so that we're all hearing the same thing so we can go out in the world and make an impact for the kingdom, for the eternal kingdom of God. You know, we, we, we have that. And, and so it seems so small, so simple, so little, just a few hours a week. But we know that the spiritual battle, even with that, is real. Because you'll lay down this afternoon and some will hear the alarm clock go off at whatever, 5 o'clock, and think, oh, I don't feel like going. That's just the reality of the flesh. That's the reality of the world we live in. Say, yeah, but what's one? I mean, it's not a big deal. What if that was the moment that God was going to do something eternal that he had you in mind for? So, man, you go, oh, really dramatic. <laughs> it's the eternal kingdom of God. I, I, unfortunately, in my life, I've, I've, I've been involved with different things that I was absolutely 1,000% devoted to. Sports. And shame on me and shame on us as we call ourselves the people of God. 
if we give more to the things of this world than we do to the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, the things of God. And I'm including myself. The battle's real. Even in something simple like gathering together as a body for the kingdom's purpose. The battle's real. So because it's real and because we know there's other things that we deal with, we, we deal with the, the, the covetous things, we deal with the, the, the lust things, we deal with uh, the, 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 the feelings of hatred and unforgiveness, we deal with all these things in our life, we realize that's a real battle, then we've got to make a conscious effort to mortify the members of our flesh, those avenues of temptations, those, those things that make us, we've got to be conscious of, of, of who we are allowing to influence us and, and, and who we are influencing. We've got to make sure that we're, we're clinging to people that are drawing us and pushing us to a closer relationship with the Lord and not trying to pull us away from it. We've got to mortify the members of our flesh if we have any hope of battling this selfish and self-serving nature. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe say, man, I... I never thought about church attendance like that before. All right? I never thought about like, how serious the battle is or how, how serious the, uh, the, you know, the, the conscious decision every day to mortify. Or, or maybe not. Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe the Lord was speaking to you and saying, you know what? I've been taking lightly the things of God. And maybe just come this morning and say, God, I'm sorry. I've, I've devoted my life. I've given you my life. And, and it seems like maybe where I'm at in my life, I've taken some of it back or tried to take some of it back. And that's not my right. Maybe just tell him this morning, I come again and I, I lay it down before you. Maybe something's come in your life and it's imposed upon what you want or what you had planned. Maybe just come to this altar this morning and you say, God, this thing's happened in our relation. This thing's happened in my job. This thing's happened in my health. This thing's come along and it's, and it's kind of imposed my life the way that I want my life. But here I am before you and I just want you to have your will even through this situation. Just do in it and through it whatever you want. I'm, I'm a vessel. You, you do whatever you want. I'll let the Lord work in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the challenge that you've given me in this message. Thank you for the conviction that you've given me in this message. Thank you for uh, the love that you show so much that you would admonish us, that you would correct us, that you would, uh, the Spirit would work in our lives. And uh, thank you that we can t hear your voice, God, that, that conviction is real, that your word is, uh, is alive, and, and again, you love us enough to correct us when we go astray. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would move now in this invitation for every single one of us, Lord, that we would respond to your word rightly, this message, that we'd realize the enemy's not taking lightly this battle. He's truly out to kill, steal, and destroy. And sometimes we approach this life and we handle it all for ourselves, and we think only about what we want. And we don't rely on you, we don't rely on the resources you've given us, and the enemy just wipes the floor with us. And Lord, I, I'm kind of tired of that in the church, Lord. I'm kind of tired of, of, of seeing that go on in, in our lives. And I pray that we would rally together, that we would cling to you, that we'd cling to each other, that your kingdom, that, that your, your, your stuff would be way more important than the stuff of this world, than the stuff that we create for ourselves. Lord, just move now in this invitation, and we'll praise you for all you do. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.